Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, Happy New Year to you. Hopefully you're having a good Happy New Year's and uh, still recovering from the festivities over the weekend. Uh, my resolution this year is I'm going to actually only purchase things from companies that are friendly to animals. Wow. That's I know, I know that. I'm going to at least try to do that mm-hmm. as best as I, I love can. That. Do you like that? And companies that don't yeah. test their products on animals and things well, like that. Well, don't add to my resolution like here, that. okay? <laughs> I, it's my resolution. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, and like, you're going to go vegan too, right? No, I'm not not going to do that. Uh, Lori will oh, remain you can do vegan. It. How long have you been yes. a vegan? Um, a couple of years, actually. I, I've toyed with it for about 18 years. Yes. And um, just the last couple of years, I, every day I, I get up, I become more and more committed to animal wellness and freedom and everything else that's good for them. I really do. Now, physically, how do you feel? Honestly, totally honestly. Please. Honestly? Yes. Uh, better. You do feel better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do. Be, because, you know, I, I think about back at those times when when I, I did or I cheat and I, you know, I and and now it's just like I look at it and I think. I will watch TV, and instead of seeing a cooking show, I'm like, oh, my, because they go, oh, the, you know, we're lamb here and some bacon, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a, a sheep, that's a pig. It, it doesn't even, and it just seems horrible to me now, and it, it didn't before. Mm. Okay. Hold on, I got a question. How is your husband vegan? Sure. They, no. And, and, and it would, it, no. Okay. No. And how difficult was how difficult is that? Because before I met my wife, I met this very attractive girl, and and um, I didn't know she was vegan. So you know, of course, I'm hitting on her and all. So yeah, when we got to go out to dinner, and she um says to me, well, I don't think I'm going to be too fun going out to dinner because I'm vegan. And that kind of ended everything right there because I thought about really? it saying, yeah, this, could be, this might be a problem. But um, how did that all work out? Everybody's different. And, and that's when I became a nurse. That was one thing that I, I really learned. That everybody is different and in so many ways. Sure. It is possible. Um, I've always loved animals my whole life. So I just, you know, I loved animals before. It doesn't mean I, I loved them any less when I was eating meat. I just consider myself to be maybe more aware now and in a different phase of my life. You're always enlightening. I, I'm always learning something from you. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I could go that direction, but I, uh, I've i learned a lot from really? you and continue to learn so much from you. Well, yeah. thanks. Uh, so Wait do, a minute. No one answered my question. Hold on. I want my question answered. Was it difficult for you from, you know, um, um, being with someone no. who wasn't vegan? No. no. Okay. No. Mm-mm. You got to be uh, tolerant of your spouse's. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, you, know? you have to be tolerant of everybody. You're not going to win people over to anything by by being a, a butthead, to put it nicely. Let's uh, go to the phones for your calls. For Dr. Debbie, who's just walking into the studio, and dog father, Joey Villani. Uh, coming up in the news at the bottom of the hour, Miss Lori Brooks, what are you working on? Well, I came across this dog disease that's been in the news lately. We'll find out more, and I'll, I'll tell you what to be on the lookout for. Let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Hey, Peter. Hello. How are you doing? Very fine. Where are you calling from today? Reading, PA. Reading, Pennsylvania. I love you guys over there. You love your animals. I have the whole team here. How can we help you? Um, I wanted to know, uh, how do I know that um, uh, my female cat is pregnant? Because um, in my neighborhood, we have a lot of um, street cats, and, and they roam around, so... All right, Peter. So I take it your, your uh, female cat is out gallivanting out in the neighborhood? 
I just got to make sure that this is possible that she's getting outside where those other cats are. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, chances are she'll probably be pregnant before long. So if she's not, um, certainly, you know, I'd encourage you to get, get her spayed. Because um, cats, they, they pretty much will continuously go into heat. So if your cat's not in heat and she stops having signs of heat, she's probably pregnant. Um, so uh, let's just kind of go over some basic things. So cats are generally pregnant for about 63 days, so about two months in essence. So that first month, pregnancy at home can be a little bit difficult to determine. Um, you might notice, um, kind of similar to women, that uh, she might eat less, kind of like that whole nausea thing going on. Um, some kitties will get a little bit more affectionate, and um, sometimes you might notice that her nipples would get a little bit more prominent, a little pinker um, than normal. But um, it, it's, it can be really challenging. So at this point, this, if you, you're not noticing anything really significant, it might be wise to take her to the veterinarian um, because we as veterinarians can pick up pregnancy within that first month by different means, sometimes simply as examining and feeling the belly. As far as ultrasound, um, at three weeks, um, we can generally pick up whether a kitty or a dog is pregnant. Now, is it? It's kind of hard to get them to pee on a stick, too. So you, that's not a, <laughs> one of the ways you do it, right? Well, I mean, there is a pregnancy test, but um, I'd have to say that generally it is. Uh, it's generally pretty simple to determine um, pregnancy for different methods. just depends on what phase. So if they're a little bit further along, um, there's the uh, x-rays that we all do at 45 days. Um, and that helps not just to determine pregnancy, but it actually tells you how many babies they have, which is even more important because nobody wants to be sitting at home at 1 a.m. on a weekend and not know if your kitty is pushing, is there another baby in there or not? Um, because you want, you want to be armed with with that information. So first thing is to get a detection of pregnancy and then to figure out how many babies you've got. But, you know, most people I think don't notice pregnancy until you get into that second month. Um, and that's when you might notice that um, the whole mammary area gets more swollen and they'll actually produce milk um, later on in that second month. Um, and that's when they eat a lot, uh, going to go in the other direction. They're going to um, become more and more affectionate and even start doing uh, nesting behaviors where they start to, um, you know, take bedding material, kind of making um, a little uh, uh, place where that they can have the kittens. So, How many kittens do they have? When well, typically, give birth, how many? Yeah, it's generally between about I'd say four to six kittens. And uh, you know, the funny thing with cats is that they are very sneaky when it comes to delivery. <laughs> um, and I do get a lot of calls of people really panicking. So if your cat is pregnant and starting to go into labor, um, you need to be aware that that's going to take sometimes uh, six hours. Um, they'll take a break in between um, each kit kitten comes about every 30 to 60 minutes, but um, that whole process can be really quite drawn out. And if you disturb them and say the household's too noisy or you, a bunch of people come over and, hey, watch my cat, it's having kittens, um, they'll stop. They get stressed. They'll stop their, um, pregnant, or their delivery and uh, restart it the next day. So um, once things happen, you really don't want to bother with them. You want to let them take things naturally. Does that answer some questions there for you, Peter? Yes. Thanks a lot, Dr. Deb. All right. Sure thing. And, hey, take that kitty over to your vet. See, because if she's not pregnant yet, you can get her spayed. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to a lady who runs a pet blood bank. And uh, I had requested that we get somebody on like this because we had our studio cat who went through a transfusion about three weeks ago. 
weirdest thing. I never thought that was something that he did. And, and where does the blood come from? Yeah. I was like, you mean there's cats that donate blood? Can you use human blood? Yeah, that's my big question. Maybe they do. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll find out more coming up in just a few minutes with Nicole Humphrey. She's the manager over at the Pet Blood Bank. I always thought they had like blood. donor cats in the vet offices. Some do. They do. But right. I wonder if they got like A positive, you know, like like we do yeah. B, A, B, O. Yeah, and what about dogs? Of... Is it breed specific or is it across well, the you line? Know, now that I think about it, just before the transfusion, the doctor had to call around to see if there was a certain blood type available really? for the transfusion. So I guess there is blood types. But we'll find out more with the expert in just hmm. a few minutes right here. And uh, what's going on in the newsroom there, Lori? Well, we know dogs are wonderful and generous and kind and everything. And now we've got some scientific research that backs it up that dogs are really very, very unselfish with another kind of animal. Huh. So we'll tell you what that is. Unselfish. Is yeah. Your, is My your, dog's selfish. Is your dog selfish? Sometimes. Does she express those? Or, no, they, or do you think there are emotions you put on her? No, I, I think if she you know, has a toy and it's laying there and another dog goes to get it and all of a sudden she wants it. Oh, that's is that jealousy selfish. or selfish? Very Dude, selfish. That's selfish because she didn't want it until someone else did. That's just selfish. Yeah, I guess she does do that. <laughs> yeah, she does. I don't know why dogs do that. It's like they're trying to cause trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and she'll she'll take her stuff and she'll she'll put one of her possessions in front of the cat, like and sit back and like dare them to touch it. Like, I dare really? you. Ladybug does that. Yeah, yeah she'll put her bone in front of the cat and then she'll she'll back up and just stand there, like go ahead, make my day. Yep. Of course, the cat doesn't oh, want it. Bad. But if the cat goes to sniff it, yeah, then she just runs and grabs it. Okay, so I you guess know, the same thing happens <laughs> in my household because I have four dogs. Yeah, and they all do that to each other. But the best is is when one dog is doing that, and then you distract the dog, and the other dog takes it, and then that dog looks at you like, "Help me, help me get it back," <laughs> you know? like it was my fault. They're pretty smart, so we'll yeah, find out are. more uh, coming up in the news yeah. in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones right now for your calls. Hi, Mel. Welcome to the show. Hi there. What's going on? Uh, we have a chinchilla. Uh, it's oh, probably about cool. 10 years old. And she pretty much stopped chewing on things like she normally used to. Mm. And it looks like her teeth are getting a little longer. Mm, okay. uh, she, she does still eat, you know, like her regular food in hay. But, uh, you know, she's drooling a lot and seems to be drinking a lot more water. Ooh, okay. She is drooling, so she's getting a little stained on her face with that? Yep. Yeah, and I don't know uh, if it's just because of the way she's drinking and drinking a much. It seems like a lot more. All right. Now, normally people with rodents would say, oh, my God, they chew a lot already. So it's good when they don't chew. Um, but in this situation, especially since you were describing that she's having drooling, Gosh, um, I'd say the number one thing we need to do is a good dental exam on her. Um, mm-hmm. The front teeth, the incisors are one thing, but the back teeth, the molars in uh, chinchillas as well as rabbits can really be a huge problem. They are continually growing and they continually wear the opposing teeth down. Um, if they start to get little spikes and overgrow in aspects, that creates cheek pain or it can even entrap the tongue. Um, so it can be quite serious and um, if we're giving up on some of those chewing items those are some of the first signs that i say that we need to get a good look inside that oral cavity and and evaluate those teeth many chinchillas do need to have their teeth trimmed um so um, getting a good look is part of it um and then doing any kind of dental care that we might need to trim the teeth or heaven forbid if there's any bad ones that are actually
actually uh, creating abscesses, then extracting those, surgically extracting those would be the way to proceed there. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline line right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Kathy. Yes, hello. How are you? Where are you calling from today? Alpena, Michigan. That's uh, oh, maybe 200 miles from Detroit. Is that on the uh, top part of the glove? Exactly. (laughs) That's what I think of Michigan is is a glove, but I guess... (laughs) You're right. Uh, What's going on with your animal? I have Dr. Debbie right here. Yes, she's 13 years old, and uh, she was... uh, 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 high blood count, fever, infection, loss of weight, diarrhea, and they took. Uh, and so, but after that, she was fine. They put her on uh, amoxicillin and everything. And she was fine for two months. Then, and I'm trying to go real fast. Then in April, everything's been up and down, up and down. But the main thing, her blood count elevated, uh, uh, this and that. But the main thing now, uh, she's in no pain. She lost weight. Uh, she's happy everything but she still has the diarrhea and now they're thinking she might be having irritable bowel disease and they are trying to rule out all these different things you know and mm-hmm. uh now they're going to put her on steroids we picked her uh picked up steroids today and see within a week if she's going to improve but the main thing is she's losing weight and the diarrhea okay and i missed what kind of dog is she German Shepherd, 13 years old, and she's never she's been Shepherd. healthy all her life. All righty. Well, I mean, indefinitely, that strategy it can be a very sound one in a 13-year-old dog. And right. the causes of um, weight loss um, accompanied with vomiting and or diarrhea, we, we definitely go gearing towards the gut. And if we don't feel anything that's feeling like a lump or a bump or a mass internally, yeah, then sometimes we have to look at the things that are harder to prove um, just from outward means or even from tests such as blood work and x-rays. Right. So... Uh, Ultimately, to get an answer to some of these situations, you know, we're looking at getting biopsies of the intestinal tract. And that, you know, isn't really necessarily realistic in a 13-year-old dog. So, um, you know, there might be some steps that we can do to try to figure out a little bit more about what's going on in the digestive tract. So for for me, um, often with a dog that's losing weight, um, you know, I may do things like uh, do some uh, vitamin B levels. Cobalamin and folate can be helpful because even if we're not going to go for something like 
like a biopsy, sometimes those um, elements need to be supplemented and they can really benefit from vitamin B therapy um, along with antibiotics and probiotics um, to try to help keep things going. And, and there are definitely some doggies where when we're suspicious that they might have an inflammatory problem like inflammatory bowel disease, you know that steroids are certainly on the table and um, sometimes we just kind of give it a whirl, see how they do. And right. if we see improvement, then, you know, that's a very realistic approach for a doggy in her age bracket, um, you know, with some caveats, because anytime we use steroids, there's good and bad. Um, so there right. are some conditions that can be worsened with that. And in an older pet, you know, I do also worry about things like, you know, the big C. Um, cancer yep. certainly is a possibility. And it can be tough to rule that out completely by these, you know, these tests that we do from the outside. Um, it, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I think you have nothing to lose by trying that approach. And um, especially if she's continuing to lose weight, even though you, you had her on the antibiotics and she still lost weight despite that, right? Right. Well, well, uh, she did. She does gain a couple pounds in here and there. And I, I forgot to tell you that in the blood work right now, they found that she is losing protein in her body and mm-hmm. she's, uh, her glands are producing too much cortisol. Okay. That's so just, just now her lab work from this week. Mm, okay. Yeah. And uh, the protein loss, um, you definitely, if we're having chronic diarrhea, uh, we look for where we could lose it in the body and you can lose protein in the GI tract. You can u- also lose it in the kidneys. Um, and sometimes we don't have enough protein because we're um, anemic or we're just having uh, problems with our um, overall metabolism. So um, if the diarrhea is the cause of that, yeah, yeah, I can understand why she might have a low protein level. And right. Cushing's disease isn't necessarily something that I first think of if we have a digestive problem and weight loss. So um, the the problem is with Cushing's disease, it's a disease that causes high levels of cortisone in the body, but stress causes high levels of cortisone. So um, disease processes can cause us to have high cortisone levels. So uh-huh. it can be a little hard to really interpret that in the face of a sick pet. So, um, but, um, but other yeah, than I, that, she's playful, she's happy, she's got appetite, except for now the really the diarrhea. If you haven't already used things like probiotics, and some dogs, we will even entertain putting them on low-level antibiotics if we're suspicious that they have um, intestinal overgrowth in their intestinal tract. And that can happen very commonly, you know, secondary to some uh, intestinal diseases or sometimes all by itself. So um, it's not a case where we like to use antibiotics, you know, indiscriminately, but for some right. of these pets, um, it, it really can help treat them and their quality of their life. Right. So well, well, I- good luck. I, I like uh, where you're going in with the vet. She also said the biopsy. We'll see what steroids were uh, very good. Uh, oh, I appreciate so much. My sister in LA listens to your program all the time. We just watch it, listen to it all the time. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate it. Good luck. Hope everything turns out well there. Don't forget, you can ask your questions for the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, free for you to download. Listen to the show, get the recalls, and ask your questions of Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani straight from the app. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. 
There was some monkey business going on at a world-famous London auction house recently. Three paintings by Congo, a chimp from a London zoo, caused so much commotion that both an Andy Warhol and a Renoir painting had to be withdrawn from the auction. The paintings were done in the 50s. Picasso acquired one, and Salvador Dali was so smitten with Congo's canvases that he declared, The hand of the chimpanzee is quasi-human. The hand of Jackson Pollock is totally animal. Howard Hong, a private collector in Los Angeles, won the paintings with a bid of over $26,000. He said Congo's painting represents the complete evolution of mankind. I'm going to buy my cat a paint set today. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Compared to the rest of the animal kingdom, the human capacity for cooperation is something special because working together with someone requires what is called pro-social behavior. It's helping others without any direct personal gain or benefit. Well, in this case, researchers studied the pro-social behavior of the dogs, and they were using this bar-pulling task in which the dogs had to pull these trays and then decide whether a dog on the other end would receive a treat or not. In the test, well, first the dogs use their mouths to pull a string to take that tray toward a second dog. And then they could choose either an empty tray or a tray that had a treat on it. Well, they found that dogs donate to familiar partners more often than to ones they don't know. In the experiment, the dog pulling the tray, by the way, did not get a treat. So he did not benefit in any way. Dog owners have again been warned to be on high alert after cases of Alabama rot. It's an extremely rare and deadly canine disease. There have only been about 60 known cases of Alabama rot. Now, it is a condition which begins, they say, with ulcers on the dog's skin, and it's usually found on the lower legs before the rapid onset, a couple of days until kidney failure comes in, and it can only be 100% confirmed after death. And there is no vaccination for it, so it's really tragic. The disease was first diagnosed in greyhounds in Alabama, but it's not known whether the strain is the same or a variant of that infection. Back in 1977, the birth of the Star Wars franchise happened. It was also the birth of Ben Burtt's legendary career as a sound engineer. He was the genius who contributed to every Star Wars movie and video game and TV show since the beginning, making all of the sounds and weird noises that you hear in the movies. And believe it or not, he starts with 
sounds from nature, mostly animals to bring Star Wars to life. So thanks to the animals. Well, they say the sounds of Chewbacca were created by Bert using mostly bears and a dash of walrus dog and lion thrown in. Sounds like a recipe. And the sounds of uh, the tauntauns were created by manipulating the vocal stylings of an Asian sea otter who they were very familiar with. Its name was Moda. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And in just a few minutes, we're going to go back to the phones for your calls for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Volani. If you watch that program on uh, cable TV called uh, Dirty Jobs, where the guy does all those weird, dirty jobs, we've actually had him on, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. This next guy, you'll love it. He has a, a show called Jerry's Jobs. I believe it's an online show at app.com. We welcome Jerry Carino to the airwaves. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? Hello there. I'm doing well. And it just uh, just fed both of my cats who were going crazy. So now they're doing well. So we're all doing well here. Cool. Well, one of your uh, wacky jobs was being a Santa Claus for uh, pet photos where people would bring their pet and they would put <laughs> put them on your lap and uh, they would take uh, Santa photos. That can't be a very easy job, is it? Yeah, it was It was interesting. I think I had it easy uh, that particular day, but talking to the, a, a guy and another Santa who does it regularly, there are a lot of things that can go wrong that could happen. Um, we happen to have a pretty calm group of uh, dogs and cats, you know, no snakes or anything, anything exotic. And uh, nobody scratched, clawed, uh, relieved themselves on me. So I got pretty lucky. It was fun, but I could definitely see, um, you know, that being a little bit of a challenge. But I, I loved it. I thought it was great. No animals uh, peed or pooped on you? No. And I, he said that does happen. I mean, you know, the, the regular pet photo Santa said that does happen. But maybe it was my, my calming influence and my experience with animals. More likely, more than likely, though, I just got lucky. But, yes, I didn't. I didn't have to dry clean the suit, although I probably still should. Yeah. You said some of the other Santas weren't so lucky. What, uh, what kind of problems did they have? Yeah, I think, well, the day before, okay, someone brought in five rats. And <laughs> I guess they have rats for pets, and, uh, and the rats, they're pretty small. Apparently the rats were going everywhere. I mean, in the suit, up the, up the, up the legs, um, you know, down the back. And so it was real square. I mean, I probably would have cast out. I mean, that. So I, I avoided that, and I guess, you know, the cats, as you know, have a mind of their own, and uh, they can scratch up pretty good. I guess there's a couple of Santa suits that have, hit the, have had to hit the trash bin because cats have, have scratched them the this. Sure. Um, and then, uh, you know, they, I, think, I think he's gotten teed on before. Uh, they said it's happened a few times. Uh, and then someone brought in a boa constrictor, who I guess that's pretty scary when they're wrapping themselves around your neck, whether you're wearing a Santa suit or not. But luckily, I avoided all those fates. But there are definitely occupational hazards for the pet photo Santa. Uh, it's, uh, it sounds like a very interesting job. Now, what other uh, weird jobs have you done? Any other pet-related ones or, or no, none? Uh, no, we didn't really Weren't have. You... That's, the, that's the first one. Well, no, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not true. The initial one we did was a zoo. Yes, yeah. It was the first one we did. And I was a zookeeper for a day. Now, that was interesting because it was in March. And it was, uh, it was freezing cold. 
Um, and, you know, the zoo was closed, uh, but the zookeeper, you know, you still got to take care of the animals. And so we went. I spent a morning with the zookeeper, and that was fascinating. You had to, like, have your share of poop to pick up, because I think in any animal job, especially in a zoo, you, you got to shovel some doo-doo. <laughs> Yeah, the zookeeper does two things. I mean, he's, he's, he, you know, he's, he, well, three things. He, he checks to make sure everyone's okay, first of all. They don't need to call a vet. And then he, he, he feeds everybody, and they're real happy to see him for that. And then this is first thing in the morning, in the morning round. And then he scoops up the poop, and there's poop everywhere, all shapes and sizes. Um, but it was so cold, because remember, it was a real bad march in the Northeast. It was so cold that you couldn't, I mean, it was just, you could barely smell anything. He said in the summer months, it is just brutal. I mean, <laughs> I guess the nostrils had just, I asked him, do you wear like the thing, the stuff under your nose? And he's like, no, you just get used to it. You know, I, I don't know. I didn't have that fate. All, all I had to deal with was scoop up a bunch of hockey pucks. I mean, I could have picked this up and broken a window with some of this poop. It was so hard. <laughs> Jerry, you got really lucky being Santa. You had no nothing really very terrible. I mean, at my office, we have Santa every year, and uh, Santa has had a monitor lizard on his lap, uh, a snake on his head, <laughs> birds on his shoulder, and, like, a whole cluster of ferrets um, crawling all over. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you, you're going to have to try it again. I, I rehearsed with my cats, um, and uh, the one cat was just going nowhere near me. It was just scared to, to, to the heavens. And then the other one, he's too fat to get away. So I got him, and I grabbed him, I put him in my lap, and I did the all ho, ho, ho right in his face, and he didn't like it. <laughs> but he, did, he didn't scratch and claw, though, so it was a successful trial run. I don't know how you do it with the cats. I mean, how do you even get them to look at the camera? Yeah. And sit still. That's amazing. The people who brought in cats, and I, I was worried about that, too, because, you know, I have two cats, and they don't, they have their own mind. They don't, they don't listen to you, you know, what you want to say. But, but these cats were all very calm. Like, the people who brought in the cats, the cats, they knew the cats would be good. Because you get, you know, cats are like people. Some of them are calm, and some of them are nuts. So these cats were calm. Uh, the dogs were actually a little trickier. They were a little more fidgety, and... Uh, you know, it was, it, you had to scratch them under the chin and, you know, behind the ears, and people were waving treats, and it took like nine people to get these animals to look at the camera. But eventually we did, and everyone walked away happy. So I'm going to be in some uh, some fun Christmas photos with some animals. I bet you are, and I'm going to go check out app.com as soon as the show's over today to see some of these. Yeah, we want to see some more animal-related jobs. So. Yeah, if you get any more of those, give us a call back, will you? Maybe, you know, work with a vet for a day or something, go in and... Do the anal gland, especially yeah. the anal, anal gland. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where you missed out. Santa, Santa's suit should have gotten soiled by some anal glands. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for hanging with us today, Jerry. I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks, I'd be happy to reconnect with you. Jerry Carino heading off there. Talent Cable, see if this sounds familiar. When you first see him, he gets all excited and jumps up. Yes. And he's such a big dog. When he jumps on me, it's when I get out of the car. So this is a common problem we've talked about many times before. When a dog does this, when a dog jumps on you, he's totally disrespecting you and your space. So you have to teach your dog that you're in charge. Your dog has to learn to respect you and your space. So, But how do you get him to, like, is it a command? That's part of it, but commands don't work until a dog respects you. Other things that are important part of it is walking your dog every day so that he's by your side on a leash, teaching him to enter the house after you, teaching him to leave the house after you, teaching him you're in charge of the toys and the 
the food and space, basically teaching them rules and structure. And when you teach your dog these things, you assume a leadership role. So one of the most important things to learn, and we talk about this all the time, is how to give your dog a correction and when to give your dog a correction. Words don't mean much to dogs. They understand touch. And that doesn't mean you're hitting your dog. You never do that. So what am I to Jacoby? Rick's the pack leader. What am I? You're under him. He thinks he's my pack leader? Well, he thinks he's higher than you in the pack. Yes. So is it too late with Jacoby? No, it's never too late. The dog's so dang strong and big. Jacoby, the biggest thing that bugs the heck out of me is he jumps. You love him a lot, though, don't you? Well, I do love I love that dog. Oh, gosh. See, and that's what's getting in your way. And he's so big. Like, when he gets excited, he jumps. It's such a stress, you know, when people come over. It's like I put the dogs in the garage because I don't want them jumping. Well, it's time to take control. All right. No, I'm going to try this. Okay. I, although I say this every time, and then I lose. You feel sorry for him, and you want to show him love. I don't want him to jump on me anymore. That's becoming a problem. I'll give you a tip. The time to pet him, when he's laying perfectly still on his blanket, you say, good dog. Pet him. If he starts getting excited, get up and walk away. He's going to figure out that, oh, okay, she wants me to lay here calm. And as soon as he does, that's when you pet him, and that's when you go, good dog. And you give him a treat. No parade, just good dog. And then you walk away. All right. Get more tips at animalradio.com. Thanks for the tips. I'm going to try them. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline line right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Uh, Let's head to the phones. We have Jason on the phones. Hey, Jason, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Where are you calling from today? From Lake Forest, California. Okay. What's going on? How can we help you? Um, well, I have a question because uh, I have a pug. She's uh, seven years old, and it seems like every night uh, when we play with her, she'll like it's like she's like trying to cough up a hairball. Okay. And it never happens during the day. It's mostly at night, so I don't know if there's something I need to get checked out or. So when she's doing it, um, is it? I'm going to get kind of vocal here. Is it like a? Or is it yeah. more of a... <laughs> no, it's the first one. First one, more like a... <laughs> yeah, like she's got okay. something stuck in her throat. 
Okay. So the reason there's a lot of distinctions here is because there's overlap in how a lot of these different things can sound. So gagging, coughing, uh, reverse sneezing, regurgitating, all of them can kind of just as a description sound very similar. So there's a lot to be gained from seeing and hearing it. So this is a great reason why I do love video in the veterinary office. So you use your smartphone, get a little video audio clip, and um, that, that can mean a lot. Um, yeah. And you're saying this is only happening at night when she's asleep or if she's No, we'll, doing we'll be things? like um, playing with her at night. She, she gets very playful before it's time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So she, she wants to play on the bed and kind of mess around. And then maybe like a minute into it, playing like, you know, fetch or tug of war or something like that, she'll just stop and start the, start the sound. Okay. The sound, And yeah. then just... Does she have any other problems um, as far as keeping up on walks, um, eating No, she food? goes running with my wife. Um, she's a good eater. She eats a lot. She goes running as in jogging? Yeah. Oh, okay. And she tolerates that okay? Yeah, she tolerates that fine. Oh, okay. And so I'm assuming if she goes jogging, she's probably not uh, a chubby pug? She's not an overly chubby pug, no. Okay. All right, because that is a big battle. And anytime we're dealing with things of respiratory type sounds and abnormalities, that's the first one of the first questions I go to is, is your pug fat or not? Yeah, <laughs> and there's she's a little a bit fat of. Pug. Yeah, she's not a fat pug. Okay, because and pugs, you know, they're kind of built stocky anyway. So sometimes that's a kind of a loaded question when we say, is your pug fat? Because, you know, nobody wants yeah. to admit it. <laughs> it's kind of their build. So there definitely are a couple of things that come to mind with what you're describing. And I do think that video would be helpful. But I do think of problems that can relate to the trachea um, as far as whether the size of the trachea may be normal. Um, also, pugs being a brachycephalic dog, a dog with a squished in face, yeah. they inherently can have a lot of different um, physical changes in their airway structures that can make it more challenging to get air on a good day. Um, sometimes when they are um, excited or if they're exercising or if there's um, a lot of emotion going on, we might be more prone to see some difficulties with those things at that time. Um, so for me, I would say, oh, I'd love to see your baby in front of me, take a good look, a good listen. I don't think taking a chest x-ray would be out of line um, just to check the size of the airway structures and to see, because also pugs can have some uh, higher propensity for bronchial disease. So for some different kinds of lower airway disease where their airways can actually collapse, um, usually as a result of their kind of brachycephalic problems um, where they're always kind of struggling to get a good um, solid breath of air. We've had her for about a year because we rescued her and Mm it, it, she has, it wasn't the whole time. It's basically maybe been for like maybe the last six months. So Mm -hmm. I know when we first got her, there was a lot of, you know, how they pant and make that almost a snoring noise Uh for the first three days. And we were all freaked out. We thought she was sick, but you were just, just getting used to the pug sounds. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the snorkeling and all that. No, and that is part of the puggy nature. But the thing that I will tell you is that that noise is basically a symptom that we don't have clear flow. We have turbulent airflow when we're hearing all those. Uh-huh. So like like a person with sleep apnea, that can put stress on the heart and on the respiratory tract. So if you hear a lot of those respiratory sounds, you know, don't just assume it's just being a pug. Um, I often like to, to do a thorough exam. And sometimes that means looking in the back of the throat to see what some of those structures look like. And that's usually done under a little bit of sedation or anesthesia. 
but uh-huh. there, there are some things that can be corrected, some very simply before we get a lot of more in-stage um, airway problems that can set in. So for pugs, Boston Terriers, English Bulldogs, um, you know, the, the cute little snorkely sounds are cute, but, you know, we, we can't overlook that p- potential that we can help out, um, improve the quality of life and prevent some of these long-term um, airway problems they can get. Okay. So, so, so I would um, say, yeah. Do you have an email where I can maybe send you the video of her? Oh, sure. Um, I'm at uh, Doc Debbie at um, animalradio.com, right? Yes. Hal? Yes. Hal's <laughs> <laughs> my secretary. I'm trying to check it. <laughs> that, that is D-O-C, D-E-B-B-I-E, at yes. animalradio.com. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. And I, I uh, definitely enjoy looking at that. Um, I do try to impersonate sounds a little bit better if I have a feel where we're going with things. So <laughs> yeah. I can always uh, uh, share that in another follow-up call if you have other information we can go on. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself there. I love all the noises you make. You're... You know, it's fun. I, you know, that's part of the, the fun and the art of veterinary practice is it's, it's not just sitting there and guessing what it is. You know, we, we have to sometimes impersonate the sounds, you know, smell things that are gross and uh, you know, think like the animals. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. I, I got to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Christmas party over at Dr. Debbie's house. And actually, when you walk into the house, she makes you flip your lips. She'll flip your lips, just like she does the gums of uh, the dogs and the cats, just to see oh, if stop. <laughs> The, when I you was put, a little offended the, by that. When you put on the rubber glove, that's when I was a little freaked out. <laughs> did you see how run when she did that? that it's the food handler glove. I'm telling you, they're not the regular latex gloves. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Oh, we're talking a lot about health. Companion animal cancer. Oh. I mean, it can be, yeah. I mean, it's really scary. It's really tough. And it's really expensive. And a lot of people, you know, we just have no idea what that might cost and how it's treated. Uh, we're going to talk about that, what's in the news, and how some people actually finance cancer treatment for their pet. Yes, it can be very, very expensive. Wow. And in fact, we've right. chosen in some of our cats, you know, to, there was a point where we decided we didn't want to continue with the poking and the prodding and the what could have ended up as being chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to put them through it with such kind of a, like a 33% success rate. Uh, so we opted not to do that. But I know there's people that love their animals so much, and we love our animals, I'm not saying we don't, that they will just talk the house. They'll take a, a mortgage out on the house to pay for some of this stuff. And in fact, 
two weeks ago, three weeks ago, our studio cat, Boog, the studio cat, had a blood transfusion. And not a cheap process, by the way. Uh, but yeah. I asked myself, where does this blood come from? If they're going to do a transfusion, they've got to have blood. cat blood, I assume. I don't know. And so we're going to talk to a lady in just a few minutes. She is the manager of the Pet Blood Bank. Yeah, that really exists. It really does exist. And I don't know where she gets her donations. I don't see the mobile feline unit in my neighborhood collecting blood. <laughs> but we'll find out about that. Now, do you have an animal at the office that gives blood? You know, we no longer do. I We used to when I first got into practice many, many years ago. But we actually have a specialty center now in town that does have a blood bank. And what they often do is that they'll have um, a drive. So they'll clear certain animals as blood donors. They do the blood testing and then they get them signed up and then they just bring them in regularly um, to donate blood. Um, so now if I need some um, cat or dog blood, that's generally where we get it from. Well, I can't wait to learn more from uh, Nicole Humphreys in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Dr. Debbie, you want to take some calls? Yeah, let's go to it. Line one. Hi, Max. How are you doing? Hi, it's Mac, M-A-C. Oh, Mac, how are you doing today? Wonderful, thank you. Where are you? Uh, Tampa, Florida. What's going on with your pets today? What kind of pets do you have? Well, I've got two birds, one cockatiel and one lovebird. Hmm. And they seem to be yes. loving the wooden play toys they have and the wooden cage that I've got them in. They seem to be chewing that as opposed to their cuddle bone or, or mm. any other thing to keep their beak sharp. Mm. I wonder if this is normal. Well, yeah. As far as um, for birds, they will pretty much chew on anything given the opportunity. And and I would be a little cautious if they are in a wood cage. It's probably not my first choice because of the durability component because they are going to chew on that. Um, it's in their immediate environment and it's given them an outlet, but it may not be the most secure because of that chewing. <laughs> so um, I would definitely go with a, like a non-painted uh, galvanized steel and make sure you stick with that, something like that. Um, but the actual process of chewing... Chewing wood isn't necessarily, you know, detrimental. We just try to direct that in another way. Uh, well, what do you got, have these guys eating? Uh, just regular bird field by hearts. Um, a bird seed um, right, product? Yeah. Right. Okay. Because um, for a lot of birds um, that are fed seed diets, um, we're actually led to believe by pet stores that that's the right diet for birds. And it's actually very deficient in nutrients. Um, so I like to see trying to get birds over onto a pelleted diet. And uh, have you ever seen those at the pet store? No, I have not. Okay, pelleted diets kind of look like um, kind of like a tutti frutti um, collars. Um, it's basically a processed food that is has all of the nutrients that these guys need. But mm-hmm. when you put it right next to a dish that where they have seed. They're not really interested in it, and birds will always go to the seed first. Um, so um, that's definitely my preference for birds is to go to a pelleted diet, and it takes a lot of work to get them switched over. Okay. Do they spend much time outside of the cage? Um, I have them out of the cage about uh, once a week for about an hour, two hours a time. Okay, because, um, you know, the more activity, the more interaction they have, then also that t- kind of takes away some of that um, that chewing and destructive tendency. Um, if they're out kind of socializing, vocalizing when you're around, um, then that helps to keep them mentally stimulated and, you know, not so uh, bored and, and kind of chewing their surroundings. Right. Yeah. Get and then so do, Yeah. Do you, do you do any kind of uh, any supplements, any vitamins, anything like that? No. No, as a matter of fact, someone told me that the reason they're chewing the wood is they're missing vitamins. Well, it sounds strange to me, but... Well, you know, maybe in a roundabout way. Um, I'm not really a 
huge fan on and giving vitamins to birds. I, I try to correct the diet first. Um, but, um, you know, I think keeping them engaged, entertained, and then maybe making them work for their food. And there's actually a process that we call um, the foraging technique in birds. And it's basically kind of retraining birds to not eat out of seed cups, but to pick off the bottom of the cage. And we can kind of train them over to eating things like um, pelleted foods. And okay. it can be, um, you know, good for them nutritionally, and it's a little bit more uh, enriching for them. Uh, so they're not, uh, you know, sitting there getting the food just poured to them. They actually right. have to work for it. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you for the call, Mac. Hey, Suze. Hey, hey, Suze. How are you? Hello. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Uh, yeah, I have a, a question. You know, uh, you know how dogs, you know, we all have the same kind of organs, you know, stomach and liver and all that. But dogs and cats, they burp. Okay, so there's kind of two questions if I got that right. So you want to know if dogs are like us and they have all the same organs, and then you want to know if dogs burp. Is that correct? Never burp we... at all. Now I'm just curious. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, dogs definitely do burp and they pass wind. Um, and yeah, some dogs definitely do it more often than other breeds. And for anyone who might have, say, a boxer or an English bulldog, those guys are really very windy from both ends. Um, and, it, and it does play a role with kind of how they are um, taking in their air. So if they're kind of... <laughs> like that you're going to see a lot more gas on either end um so definitely yeah if your doggy doesn't do much burping then then you're maybe fortunate but uh, i'd rather have it come up the front end than go out the back side <laughs> hey, that's for sure here here amen true that my what little it, ladybug burps <laughs> ladybug she has little quaint burps they like she does eh. But you know what, the, the, the brachycephalic, the dogs that have kind of smushed in faces, they are just known to be gassy fellas, and, and ladies too. So uh, that may be a part of the case with your dog, I don't know. Hmm. Is it Jeanette? Hi, Jeanette. Yes. How's your toy poodle? She's fine. What's going on with her? What's her name? Uh, Sophie. How's Sophie today? Yes. Uh, well, I just got home and she's been, uh, not caged, but... Uh, put in the kitchen while I was gone for a couple of hours, uh-huh. but she's happy to see mm-hmm. me. Good. But, um, and she's a good little dog. She's very loving, very affectionate, but we have a couple little problems with her. Uh, one of them, she rolls a ball around the house all the time, and when she gets it in a place where it's hard for her to get out, she gets very frustrated and starts pulling on the carpet and pulling she, up Did you say she rolls all over the house? Rolls a ball around she the house. She rolls the ball. Oh, she rolls the ball. around the house with her nose. Okay, all right. I'm envisioning her rolling. An hour, you know, she'll go for an hour with that thing all over the place. Okay. That's that's her fun time, I guess. But when she gets it stuck in a place that uh, we have to tell her to back it up, so if she has trouble backing it up, she'll grab a piece of the rug and pull on it. Oh, dear. Okay. I can break her from that. Well, um, this behavior is only occurring when she's playing her ball regimen? Yes. Okay, well, I guess the simplest thing that I'm going to say is that we, we need to control that ball-playing activity um, because especially if it's something she does almost to an obsessive level, um, there's a bit of anxiety. It's fun, but it can be a bit of an anxiety uh, driving experience so that she may not uh, do her normal thing. Her behaviors may be inappropriate at that time, and digging or you know tearing up the carpet um, is just 
a factor of her anxiety with wanting to get to that ball. So either we, A, control the timing and the area that she has while she's playing ball, or we deal with some chewed up carpet and torn up carpet. Um, Because there's not going to be an easy way as long as we allow her to play her game on her time without direct supervision. There's other ways we can make this game um, maybe a little bit more of an outlet for her. So if we can take the ball outside, throw it, have her, does she do retrieving activities or is it just where she pushes it? She pushes it and I play soccer with her. Because if we can have a little bit more control over that playtime where she can find the ball, retrieve it, you know, or you can play back and forth with her, that is going to decrease some of her anxiety if it gets out of her reach and then she's forced to start to do some of these behaviors that are a little bit more on the obsessive line. So that that's probably going to be the easiest thing. The other thing that I would make sure we do is that we give her some other physical outlets besides the ball because it really can become truly a, a problem, a fun toy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio, urging you to spay or neuter your pet. We caught up with Dr. John Howe, certified aquatic veterinarian at the American Veterinary Medical Association Convention in Denver. Dr. Howe does surgery on fish. We take them out of the water, we put them in a bath that has the anesthetic in it, and we set them on a form so they're laying in the position we want them to, and we run a tube with water being pumped out of the anesthetic water into their mouth, flowing over the gills, so that keeps them anesthetized. There's more at avma.org. That's avma.org. Alan Cable with your real dogs doing amazing things. Watch. You're in Trapper Creek, Alaska, 116 miles north of Anchorage. When you crash your snowmobile, it happened to Otis Orth. When he finally came to a standstill, he couldn't move. But he could talk to his golden retriever, Amber. Turns out Otis had a neck injury and had dislocated both of his arms. He laid out there helpless for 24 hours. You can imagine how cold it was. The only reason he survived the night was because of the warmth of Amber, his dog laying next to him. At 1.30 p.m. the next day, Otis heard the sound of a snowmobile and told his dog Amber to go get them. It was Tom Taylor and his brother. They saw the snowmobile and just assumed the rider was in the woods going to the bathroom. That's when Amber ran out and they didn't want her to follow them, so they sped up, but she just would not give up. Finally, they slowed down and Amber ran back to the spot where Otis was in the woods. That's when Taylor decided to check it out and found Orth lying on the snow. From his hospital bed at the Providence, Alaska Medical Center, Otis says, I owe that dog my life. This is Animal Radio, baby. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Well, hey, Julie. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. How can we help you? I got the whole team here for you. Okay. I have a problem with a feral cat. And Okay. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but I'm also not a novice. I've been catching and taming ferals for like 35 years, and that started before the catch and release programs. Um, Now, this cat is about 10 years old. She's been inside for about nine and a half of those years. And I 
she was extremely feral outside. Now, I only see her at night, or sometimes she'll sit on a windowsill as the sun is coming up. But during the day, she just hides away. And now three times, with all the other cats, now sometimes it took a long time. But once they started taming up or showed something that indicated that, it progressed from there. But now three times she has appeared to be taming up, but each time and for no known reason reverted back to just being totally feral. Wow. What's her name? Her name's Flipper. Flipper. And now sometimes I don't see her for two weeks. Now the thing is, she is safe, and she has wet and dry food and water in all the rooms and use of a balcony and nice weather. She does use the litter trays, which I'm glad of. Okay. But this is no quality of life. And, you know, I, I had two thoughts, and I'm open to any suggestions. You know, I, I wondered about sprinkling catnip in, in some of the rooms, maybe get her drunk. <laughs> you know, like that. And you were talking about pheromones. Mm-hmm, sure. And I don't know anything about those. How are they dispensed in a room? Okay. Well, I'm going to first start at the very beginning because I want to get some of our listeners into kind of into step with what you know as a, someone who works with ferals. Um, there is a difference between a cat that has been um, tamed to human contact, that's socialized to human contact, and then that's the opposite of what a feral is. So feral cats, even though they're a domesticated animal, they have generally lived without um, the need for humans, so they really don't socialize to humans. So some feral cats can acclimate and become very normal pet cats. Others cannot, and it can be very difficult to have the same expectations for every cat that's feral because they all just aren't going to settle into that kind of lifestyle. Um, and I do have some clients who have feral cats that have released them outside because it, the quality of their life is not that what is deemed um, fair for the animal. That and, would be dangerous uh, for her. Yeah. Well, a couple things that I do think of with your situation, and you mentioned that there's other cats in the household, and uh, there could be certainly some interplay that's going on. And the important thing I think we all need to recognize is cats don't vocalize to express their communication with each other. They do nonverbal communication. So there's eye contact and body positions that are used. So you can still have cats that are having a... Uh, tift or a territorial conflict and never hear a darn peep out of them. So sometimes, um, you know, even finding, um, I hate to say rehoming this cat, but another housing situation, whether it be completely separate of the other kitties um, or in a home that has no other cats, that might be another opportunity to allow her to try to come to terms with, um, you know, the humans in the home a bit better. Okay, the um, one that I have one aggressive one downstairs and that cat never has contact with her. Uh, she's upstairs. And the ones that are upstairs, none of them, you know, over all these years, I've, you know, I've been observing and wondering, you know, this and that. And I've never seen anybody appearing to be aggressive to where she might be. But they don't have to be aggressive. So that's what I'm saying. There, there doesn't have to be a fight. There doesn't have to be a conflict. It could be as simple as a stare down. It could be a look of the eyes. It could be a swish of the tail and a turn of the body. So that, that's why th there, that is a possibility, and we can't rule that out. So I just want you to kind of keep that in, in mind. But okay. you know, if, we, 
if we do have, especially with an inner, uh, a multi-cat home, uh, you mentioned pheromones, and pheromones I do like. It's not a magic trick, and I think we have a very complex situation with a feral cat in this situation. So um, there's going to be limitations, but I do like to try to use pheromones, and for cats, they come in a lot of different formats. Um, I'm a fan of the plugins because um, I like things that are easy, but they're basically like um, air, air fresheners that you plug in, and most of them treat about 500 square foot area. There's okay. also sprays, um, but I find that a bit tedious because you have to reapply that. Um, and you generally, with the sprays, you would focus on areas where do- uh, cats enter. So doorways, um, areas where there's maybe food or other resources like the litter box. Um, but for kitties, I, I definitely prefer the, uh, the diffusers. And, you know, th- that might help. And then just making sure other environmental enrichment is there that you've got. And for cats, vertical height and lots of hiding spaces are very important for their oh, mental well-being. Okay. <laughs> good. good. But at a plug-in, where, what do you ask for when you put a pet supply or sell those? Oh, sure. Yeah. You can find those pretty readily at most big box, uh, you know, pet stores. Um, as a veterinarian, I do carry those in my hospital as well. Um, I, I personally use a product that's called Feel Away. Um, there are some other ones out there as well, but um, Feel that's away, just the one F-E-L? that... F-E-L-I-W-A-Y. F-E-L-I-W. And you'll actually find that in the store as Comfort Zone. Yes. Uh, thank you, Hal. And, um, you know, some of these products are actually on back order. So, uh, you know, at this time, you might have some challenges finding that particular um, brand. But it, it can certainly help. But, you know, I think you've you got a lot going on there for that little girl to, to, to acclimate. But what you're describing is not at all, all unusual. And it's hard to know what kind of experiences she had when she was out feral. So some of those kind of early experiences can be hard to overcome if she had something, you know, bad happen to her or something fearful. So give that baby. Uh, a, a blow away kiss because I know she may not want you to touch her but good luck with things and um, we hope we hope she finds that happy place in your home there how would you like to get a free smartphone if you own a smartphone listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life plus get a free smartphone every year call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service think of your savings so don't wait switch your plan save money plus get a free smartphone every year call the free smartphone hotline right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day Guaranteed for life. Call the free smartphone hotline right now. 800-475-3351. 800-475-3351. That's 800-475-3351. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. This is an Animal Radio News Update. 
I'm Lori Brooks. If you're a world traveler, I got to tell you, never go to Thailand and say something unkind about the king's dogs there, because there's some really strict new laws in Thailand now. And a factory worker now we hear could go to jail for 37 years for making some bad remarks about the king's dog. Turns out that the man was charged with making a sarcastic post about the dog. He also faces separate charges, too, of sedition and insulting the king. So what did this guy say that was so bad? Well, we don't really know because the man's lawyer says the Thai military will not divulge what the remark was. What we do know is that the royal dog in question in Thailand is Copper, who is widely loved in that country. The 88-year-old ailing king rescued Copper from an alley back in 2002, and then he wrote a best-selling book about her. For owners of dogs and cats stricken with cancer, one of the leading causes of death among companion animals over the age of six, those expensive treatments only add to the emotional difficulties. Just to figure out what's wrong with an animal, that initial cancer diagnosis can cost between one and $2,000. A standard course of chemotherapy they found costs between three and $5,000. Radiation treatments run between six and 10,000. And of course, for some pet parents, money is no object. More than 70 owners of dogs stricken with lymphoma in the last few years were found to have spent between $16,000 and $25,000 on bone marrow transplants for their dogs, even though the cure rate is only about 33%. And those weren't just wealthy people. They say some had to use their life savings and even refinance their houses to pay for those treatments for their pets. A mischievous cat escaped its carrier on board a Delta Airlines flight last week into the horror of a cat-fearing flight attendant. The cat roamed free for a while throughout the cabin. Of course, someone caught the incident on video. You knew that would happen, and it had some really comical moments. For example, the tortoiseshell cat approaches the flight attendant, and she is heard telling the animal, Sit right there. Don't move. Of course, the cat does not obey her orders, the poor cat. Its owner fell asleep with headphones on, and somehow it managed to get out of the carrier. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. About three weeks ago, our studio cat, Boog the Studio Cat, was in sudden need of a transfusion craziest thing doctor said hey blood transfusion blood transfusion i don't know what other kinds there are i don't know but let's uh, just make sure it's not brain bone marrow transfusion fecal transfusion we heard about that (laughs) yeah we heard about that crazy thing uh but uh we just uh, i think it's the first time i thought that i would ever be involved with such a thing and we had to find a clinic that would do the transfusion and that had the right blood type. yeah had the blood apparently there is blood types I don't know. Cannot use there is. Blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many different blood types are there, Doc? In cats, about three. And uh, do they? Dogs they eight. And you can't share cat or dog or human 
Blood. No, no, no. It has to be cat blood. Cat getting cat blood. Dog getting dog blood. So yeah, yeah. And preferably you, you type and cross match and you know do all that kind of stuff as well. So. I can't even imagine how they get the blood because for humans you have the blood mobiles. You go give a little blood. They give you a lollipop afterwards or some <laughs> apple juice, some orange juice, yeah, yeah or something. Yeah. Uh, but we have ways of getting our blood. <laughs> I, I bet you do. Uh, we have on the phone Nicole Humphreys. She is the manager of the Pet Blood Bank. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Where are you located? Uh, we're located outside of Austin, Texas, in a town called Cherokee. And you get blood for all across the country or just in your location? No, we give blood all across the country. Uh, our blood bank, the way that we uh, operate, is that we do have some donors that we work with through our organizations, rescue organizations. We also do have some of our own donors at our ranch here in Cherokee. And Basically, it's kind of done the way that you just mentioned, that we do have a, a, a truck, what we call our little blood mobile, and we do actually do some blood transfusions and blood donations that way. And, of course, all the dogs, they get treats afterwards. And we also have our own operations here at our kennel and at our ranch where we can sterilely obtain the blood from our donors, and then everything gets shipped out overnight. How long have you been around? Uh, we've been around for about 12 years. Wow. More commonly, people have been hearing about us for about eight years or so, uh, but we've been around for a little while. <laughs> and is this the way that veterinarians and clinics, emergency clinics, have gotten their blood most of the time, or, or are there other ways? Well, we'd like to say that this is the most optimum way of doing it because we do have the capabilities of testing for bloodborne pathogens to make sure that the blood is completely free of disease. But there are other ways that people do blood transfusions most emergency facilities actually will get it from a blood bank, but there are some smaller veterinary hospitals that may have a blood donor, such as an employee pet, that they may actually draw of in an emergency situation. What is the shelf life and how is it shipped? Is it required to be on ice when it's shipped? or There's different ways of shipping. Of course, you know, any type of plasma product, fresh frozen plasma, Um, that is obtained from the blood will have to be shipped frozen. So that will have to be shipped on ice. However, packed red blood cells or whole blood, which is the erythrocyte of the blood, will actually be shipped. It will be cold, so there will be ice packs in there. And depending upon what type of product, such as packed red blood cells, which is just the erythrocyte, no plasma involved, that would have a shelf life of about 42 days. So are you looking for donors? (laughs) We do. We actually do hold some I guess you could say some blood drives, and we do have specific requirements that we need. So uh, basically people would have to have an animal that is 35 pounds or more, spayed or neutered. They have to have a great temperament, and they have to be able to sit still. (laughs) Well, 35 pounds or more, how would you do cats? I'll say that most cats do have to be sedated or anesthetized completely for this. So this isn't quite the same thing. Well, how much can a cat or a dog give? It must take a lot of dogs to do a transfusion for a dog. Well, the way that it's done is that uh, you have a half unit, which is usually 125 ml, or a whole unit, which is 250 ml. And in order for it to be considered one full bag of blood, it must weigh 330 grams. So we do have a scale and we do weigh it out to make sure that uh, it's all done properly. So we do it by a gram weight. That calculation is done, of course, by how much the dog weighs and what we're going to donate for. And then do you sell it and how much does blood sell for? 
We do actually sell it to organizations. We do sell directly to the veterinary consumer. And then our cheapest bag, I guess you could say, would be about $91, and that's for a half size. And our full size is $156. So you are looking at something, depending upon how many bags you would need, it could be, you know, less or more. All very intriguing. I've never knew about this. I guess we can learn more over at the website, canineBloodBank.com. And that's uh, canine, like the letter K and the number nine. Right? Right. Okay. And we'll put links to that and everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Nicole, thanks so much for hanging with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Take care of yourself. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Let's talk about dog behavior. Dogs need attention. They need your attention. It doesn't matter if it's positive attention or negative attention. If you're giving your dog attention, he thinks you're rewarding him. The best way to teach your dog how to behave is to only give him affection and attention when he's doing the right thing, the thing that he should be doing. Ignoring your dog and taking attention away from him is powerful. Turning and walking away. Turning your back on him. Totally ignoring him. Let's say you bring your dog in from the street and you want to clean his paws with a towel. You get him to go down, and when you start to clean his paws, he starts moving around and fidgeting, and you start getting frustrated. So you start talking to him. Lay still! Well, the more frustrated you get, the more you try to get him to lay there and let you clean his paws, the more he's going to get excited and jump around. So what's the answer? As soon as he starts to get excited, you just stand up quickly and stare off into space. Or walk away into the house and leave him there for a couple minutes. You might have to do it over and over again, but eventually he's going to get the message that if he acts that way, you're not going to pay any attention to him. You're not going to touch him. He'll start to realize that the bad behavior's not working anymore. And when your dog gets the idea that you want him to lay still, or you want him to just lie down when people come over and ring the doorbell, he's going to do it because your dog wants to please you, and he wants to be with you. It's important to understand that dogs are very sensitive to you, your body language, what you're doing, where you're looking, how you're carrying yourself. People get into trouble because they want their dogs to be there for them when they want them there then they want their dogs to do a disappearing act when they don't want them there when they're not in the mood they want to be able to flick the dog on like a light switch once you understand how dogs think how they communicate what their body language means you can teach them just about anything how to go to the bathroom outside how to heal sit stay how to behave when people come over to the house the key to it all is patience calm leadership and total consistency so that your dog's able to learn the rules because dogs need rules doing that will make your dog calm and fun to be around and don't forget they need plenty of exercise get more tips at animalradio.com need a fix of the good stuff get more animal radio with the free animal radio app for iphone and android hi this is eric dane on animal radio reminding you to spay and neuter your pets Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. 
We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. He said we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Don't forget you can ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If you haven't downloaded it, what are you waiting for? Do it now. We're going to head back to the phones in just a second. Lori, you had a question for Joey, and I didn't want to make you have to call in. What's up with Roro? Well, I want to know, Joey, I was thinking about this as I was just brushing Roro, and he's losing hair like it's May. Is that because he has new, like, winter hair getting ready to come in? It's possible. Um, you know, I mean, it, 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 it could be so many, it could be so many things. Sometimes, um, you know, pets just, just shed at certain times of the year when, 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 when they're ready. Um, it could be that there's a dietary change and that doesn't necessarily mean that you changed your pet's food. It just means that they're not getting the nutrition out of their food that they were. Um, because uh, we did change his food, they, so maybe that's okay. It. Well, you know what? That could be a really, really big sign, and that doesn't mean it's bad. That might, you know, that might mean that um, it's it's actually good. Maybe that coat had to come out. So if it's not balding, and it's just coming out, and it looks shiny and it looks healthy, um, I would keep on the food. Hi, Angel. Hey. How are you doing? Well, I have a little uh, fifteen and a half year old. Uh, she's about five pounds, and she's. Uh, an odd mix. She looks like a Shih Tzu. She's a Shih Tzu, Chihuahua, and Pekingese. And I would like to know what the symptoms are for hip dysplasia. Um, is there a change in stance? Is there a change in her gait? Um, she doesn't seem to indicate any pain, but she seems to be much less steady on her feet. But she also rides in a truck a lot. You're, when you say she's a little bit unsteady on her feet, do her feet give out on her, or is she just slow getting up? She just, um, when she's just kind of standing there, not in the truck, like when we take her out to walk her and everything, sometimes she just kind of wobbles like maybe she doesn't have her land feet yet. You know, okay. I, I'm not sure if it's because of the truck or if it's because of, of uh, but it's something that's kind of appeared within the last year. Okay. Well, and she's definitely old enough that we would want to talk about, um, and I probably uh, gear more towards what we'd call osteoarthritis um, than just hip dysplasia, because hip dysplasia is only one part of the body that can have problems. And in dogs, they can have elbow dysplasia, they can have spinal arthritis. So you can really have um, pain and arthritic changes kind of anywhere in the body, and that can create problems in mobility and getting around. And you know, for an for an old gal, um, you know, like that, I would say if we're worried about the back end, we sometimes do see some distinctive problems in the back end, um, where we might have a crossing over of the back feet, where they do seem kind of uncoordinated and almost drunk. Um, and we, we can see problems where um, getting up from a seated or a lying position is difficult, and you just kind of see it almost in the extra effort, that you know, the push to get up. That can be a sign that there's pain um, and or muscle weakness. And then finally, you know, if we're seeing continence problems in the back end, if we're having urine accidents, we're having pooping accidents, those can be signs that we might be having some problems with the hindquarters. But in general, when we look 
anywhere on this on, on a dog's body, um, arthritis can affect how easily they get up. So really, you're looking for that exaggerated effort. You're looking for a limp. And you're looking for a pet who might have maybe quivering or um, tremors with their muscles because the, if the joints aren't working really well and they're not moving in the full, nice, long strides that they should, the muscles can atrophy and they can weaken, and that will translate to a, maybe a trembling or shaking leg. So, so those are some of the things that I would definitely keep an eye out for. Okay. Um, I think you've hit it kind of on the nail. The, the more appropriate description would be uh, the muscle uh, weakness, I think, is what it is an indicator. Does that um, will that encourage hip dysplasia, or is that maybe just because she's gotten older, and also she lives on a truck, you know, without as much exercise as other dogs? Sure. And, you know, I, I, I can't say I don't do a lot of the truck driving, but I can imagine where, like, the having your sea legs, you know, might be a little bit disorienting when she first gets to land. Um, but as far as, um, you know, for... Um, other things, as far as there definitely can be medical problems, metabolic problems that cause weakness, problems like thyroid okay. disorders, other types of hormone disorders that can cause a generalized muscle weakness. Um, the other thing would be, you know, it, when we talk about the spine, um, some breeds of dogs um, can have uh, particular problems with disc disc problems. That's hard to say, disc problems. <laughs> um, but that can actually cause back pain and can even lead to signs of paralysis where their feet kind of get either where they drag them or they may not really sense where they're at in space and they just kind of trip over them or they cross their feet over. So if we're seeing something like that, then I would say we definitely want to get some x-rays because we want to make sure we're heading down the right route, right road, whether it's a orthopedic problem and maybe we need some pain medicine and some joint remedies, or if it's something more of a neurologic problem, and then we're going to have a totally different um, type approach where we maybe deal with pain medicine, but we might need to gear something towards inflammation um, and gearing towards um, you know, that nerve uh, function. So that might be a, you know, I know she's an older gal, but that might be a good investment in just to kind of get the right pathway and make sure we're heading down the right road there. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. Remember, you can get your Animal Radio fix all week long over at AnimalRadio.com and download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download, and it has all kinds of great stuff on it. Plus, you can get your fix. Listen to past shows and current shows and ask your questions right from the app. Gotta love that. If you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, remember Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They're Kindle books. They're over at Amazon.com. And if you're in the Las Vegas area, visit her at the Lone Mountain Animal Hospital. You very Got well it. have. <laughs> I used to, used to call it clinic all the time. That's why they're so amazed at this. Have yourself a great week. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.